morning. Hi, Ollie. Oh, hello. You're going off to holiday tomorrow. I am. I am. What's the name of this new series? Well, the name of this new series is Weird and Wonderful. You got it. I would say Weird and Wonderful. I would say we're a bunch of weirdos. Fancy being here on a Sunday night, freezing cold, the beginning of school holidays, when there's probably a good TV show on. The tennis is on later. Um, I think MasterChef final starts tonight. I'm sure there's a football game on. The cricket is probably finishing. What are we doing here? F1, F1. F1 tonight. I, I knew I'd miss something. <laughs> yeah. We are starting a series over the next four weeks and uh, they'll be just touching on some subjects. And I invite you to engage and find out more. We'll just be introducing stuff that uh, may need a lot more exploration. And tonight, I am talking about the church. Weird, wonderful, a bunch of weirdos, a bunch of wonderful people. So I've got a question up here for Slido. You need your um, camera, you need your phones, you need your phones. And uh, the QR code is going to go up there, so I'm told. This is supposed to be magic. No, didn't work. Ah. Behind me? Oh, well, there's always the magician's trick goes wrong somewhere, right? So get the QR code, and here's the question that will come. What is the church? And you send it in. What is the church? I probably need to come down so I can see it all. No, I can see it there. You, me, the people, us. Family, home, whoops, yeah. Pretty predictable. Community of followers, people who love Jesus, community, 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 <laughs> community. Oh, a place for God's people. Actually, the last song said it all. Uh, people coming together to worship God, congregation. What was that last one? Planet Boom. Planet Boom, whatever that means. <laughs> Told you it was weird. You got it? Here's your next question. Keep them coming. What does the church look like? What does the church look like? A bunch of widows. Someone's really got it straight away. Speaker always loves it when you've got it. Wonderful, weird, rose, whatever. A bunch of interesting people, a community. Jesus, happiness, people worshipping God, us, anything. Thanks, keep, keep, thank you very much for that. Um, can I have... Dorothy, can you bring the, uh, that? And stay up here, Dorothy. Come up here, Dorothy. Come up here. Can I have... Um, yeah, someone from the row over here. Someone want to come? No, they won't want to come. Come on, Isaac. I'll call you by name. Come on, Winnie. Winnie. Winnie, come on. You want to come, Sandra? You can come too. Now, we are going to look in here, and you're going to come close and tell me what do you see. Come on. Come in. Come in. Come on, Sandra. Can you see? 
Can you see each other? What are you seeing? I can't see you, Isaac. Come close. I, don't, I did have a shower. Okay, what are you seeing? Weird and wonderful. <laughs> You're speaking about yourself. What are you seeing, Winnie? Um, um, people. I thought it was just Winnie. <laughs> Do you know the people, Sandra? Yes. Can you see yourself? Yes. Can you see Mummy? Yes. Can you see Dorothy? Yes. Can you see Isaac? Yes. Okay. So we actually are <laughs> the church. Did I just hit you on the head? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you very much for that. Now, this is the next thing I want you to do. It's just a little bit of an interactive. I want you to take your phone and uh, get to your camera. And I want you to find at least three or four people who are very different from, look different looking from you, but who may call themselves church. And I want you to take a selfie and I want you to send it to at least three people in this congregation. You got it? A selfie. Can move around now. Come on, get some photos taken. There has to be at least three in the photo. At least three. Send it around. Go find someone else. You can do more than one selfie. You've all got phones. Go and take them. Yoo-hoo. Oh, the flash is on. Now you've got to send it to someone. I will. Hey! <laughs> now you've got to send it to someone. Oh, true. It wasn't one three people. <laughs> okay. Look, my phone number is. <laughs> Steve's phone number is. Has everyone received one? Have you received one? You had your photo taken? Have a good look because you are the church. It's not just people out there. I mean, Winnie says she saw people. She didn't say I saw myself. We saw people. We, you, me, by name, everything that we have. If we are in Christ, oh, excuse me, my phone's going. <laughs> I've got a photo. Woohoo! Sharon and Steve. I better turn it on silent now. You better turn them on silent now. It's all right. Um, what was I saying? Yes, that's right. The church is us. The church is us. Those who are in Christ. In Christ. Now, I really want you to grab this because going to church, whatever that means, doesn't make you a Christian. Calling yourself a Christian doesn't make you a Christian. Just because you're in a Christian family doesn't make you a Christian or a church, or whatever it is. You need to be in Christ. Anyone who is in Christ. Interesting word, in Christ. Just let me give you, unpack that a little bit. We look at Jesus. Jesus came. He paved the way for us to become in Christ. Not only did he pave the way, he said, I am the way. So we simply 
Look to Jesus. No one else. Look to Jesus. We turn to Jesus from all the other stuff, all the other noise in our life. We turn to Jesus. We believe in him. And we let his life, his death, his resurrection be our life, our death, our resurrection. And we start again. We look to Jesus because he's the way. We turn to him. We follow him. We believe in him. And we let his life and the fact that he died for our sin and he rose again so that our life that we follow, we die too to our sin and sinful ways and we let the resurrection life, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, lives in us. Now that is powerful. I heard it, Winnie. You're the only one that thought it. It's powerful. The Holy Spirit in you, in us. And then you start again. And you do that because you're a lover of Jesus. And you keep falling in love with Jesus over and over and over again. Last week we had a panel at church, and Christopher Ox I answered the question about salvation. And someone said, can you lose it? And he said, salvation is not a it. Salvation is a relationship. We follow Jesus, we go on the way, and we keep on doing it. But we can't do it by ourselves. Not all the time. Well, when I talk about church, it's about people. What on earth do we build buildings for? So buildings, spaces, and other religious stuff. What's that got to do with it? You know, historically, when people built a church, this was way, way back, they would build it on a hill, and it would be a magnificent, expensive building, and everyone would see it, so you had to go up to the church. And it was supposed to be symbolic of going up to God. These days there's so many high rises and stuff like that, you don't see that. But if you've ever travelled the world, you will always see religious buildings. There'll be mosques, there'll be temples, there'll be churches. And if you actually know your church history well, you'll be able to look at the building to see what kind of church it is, what its denomination is, what its tag is. And then there's also you'll find out, you'll see religious people, religious clothes, you'll see temples, all kinds of strange things happening. But you know, in about 1983, I went into China. Um, in those days, it was still closed. And I confess, I was going in smuggling Bibles, but don't tell anyone that, okay? I had a them in my luggage and I was scared stiff, absolutely scared stiff. Anyhow, I got through. But you know, I did not see any religious symbols. Not one. I didn't see a mosque. I didn't see a temple. I didn't see a Buddhist dressed as a Buddhist. I didn't see a church building. I did not see a religious building. Did that mean there were no Christians in China. Even though the architecture said loudly, we are not a religious people. Did that mean there were no Christians? I want to tell you there were more Christians in China in that date 
than there were people living in Australia. Does that blow your mind? People, people. They weren't allowed to have Bibles, books. They were not allowed to gather, but they couldn't help it. There was something in, that, in them that made them want to meet together. And if they had one copy of scriptures, they would tear pages out and hand them around so that that was the only way you could read the scriptures. They would memorize. They would sing quietly because they could not draw attention. And you know what? They got killed for it. They were persecuted, but they couldn't stop meeting together because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. True? Now we are what we call the lucky country. But I want to ask you, do buildings matter? And my answer is yes and no. So I've got a little uh, video from uh, Bible Project, which I enjoy very much, because God actually told his people to build a tabernacle. That's just a fancy word for a portable tent, okay? But it was designed by God. Then later, much later, God allowed one of the kings to build a temple. Again, architecturally designed by God. Let's look at this video clip. So in the Bible, the ideas of heaven and earth are ways of talking about God's space and our space. So I understand our space really well. We live here. There's trees, rivers, mountains. But my understanding of God's space gets a little fuzzy. And what we do get in the Bible are images trying to help us grasp God's space, which is basically inconceivable to us. So these are two very different types of spaces. Yes, they're, they're different in their nature, but here's what's really interesting is that in the Bible, these are not always separate spaces. So think of heaven and earth as like different dimensions that can overlap in the same exact space. So we talk a lot about going to heaven after we die, but this idea of heaven and earth overlapping, we don't talk a lot about that. Which is kind of crazy because the union of heaven and earth is what the story of the Bible is all about. How they were once fully united and then driven apart and about how God is bringing them back together once again. So let's go back to the beginning where heaven and earth, they're completely overlapping. Yeah, this is what uh, the Bible's description of the Garden of Eden is all about. It's a place where God and humanity dwelt together perfectly, no separation, and, and humans then partner with God in building a flourishing, beautiful world and so on. But as humans, we wanted to do things a different way. We wanted God out and we wanted to create a world apart from him. Yeah, so we have these two spaces now. And the Bible actually uses lots of different kinds of words and phrases to refer to these two spaces to make a, a clear distinction. So you've said that these spaces can overlap, though. So explain how that works. Yeah, this is where we have to start talking about temples. Because in the biblical world, you experience God's presence by going to a temple. That's where heaven and earth uh, overlap. Now, there are two types of temples described in the Bible. One is a tabernacle, basically a tent that was built by Moses. And the other 
was this massive building made by Solomon. And these temples were decorated with fruit trees and flowers and images of angels and all kinds of gold and jewels and so on. And these are designed to make you feel like you're going back to the garden. And at the center of the temple was a place called the Holy of Holies, which was like the hot spot of God's presence. Now we can go and be with God again. But not so fast, because the temple also creates a problem. So God's space is full of his presence and goodness and justice and beauty, but human space is full of sin and injustice and the ugliness that results. So how do these spaces overlap if they're so different and they're in conflict with each other? This was resolved through animal sacrifice. Yeah, that's kind of weird. What do animal sacrifices have to do with this? Yeah, the, the idea is this. Animal sacrifices, somehow they absorb the sin when the animal dies in your place. And it creates a clean space, so to speak, where you are now free to enter into the temple and be in God's presence. Okay, so if I'm an Israelite and I live in Jerusalem, I might be able to be in God's presence. But you said the story of the Bible was all of heaven and earth reuniting. Right. So we have to keep going in the story where we come to Jesus in the New Testament. And in the Gospel of John, we hear this claim that God became human in Jesus and made his dwelling among us. Now, this word dwelling is really curious. It, literally, it means he set up a tabernacle among us. And so what John is claiming right here is that Jesus is a temple. He is now the place where heaven and earth overlap. What's interesting about Jesus is that he isn't staying in this safe, clean space. He's running around, hanging out with sinners. He's healing people of their sicknesses and forgiving people of their sins. He's basically creating little pockets of heaven where people can be in God's presence, but he's doing it out there in the middle of the world of sin and death. And he keeps telling everyone that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he even told his followers to pray regularly that God's kingdom come and that his will be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. But a lot of people are threatened by Jesus and they kill him, which seems to spoil this whole plan to reunite heaven and earth. But we, we have to go back to a scene earlier on in Jesus' story where John the Baptist saw Jesus and said, Behold, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So Jesus isn't just talked about as being a temple. He's also talked about as being the temple sacrifice. Yeah, so, so the cross is now the place where Jesus absorbs sin to create a clean space that is not limited like animal sacrifices. Jesus' sacrifice has the power to keep spreading and spreading and reuniting more and more of heaven and earth. And this is all really great, but it leaves one big question in my mind, which is, what happens when I die? Don't I just fly over to God's space to be with Jesus. Yeah, so a few times in the New Testament, we learn that Christians will be with Jesus in heaven after they die, but that is not the focus of the Bible's story. The focus is on how heaven and earth are being reunited through Jesus and will be completely brought together one day when he returns. So in the book of Revelation, we get this beautiful image of the Garden of Eden, now in the form of a city, coming to end the age of sin and death by redeeming all of human history in a renewed creation. And God's space and human space completely overlap once again. We believe the best way to understand the Bible is to look at its overall narrative. 
So we're going to do this by taking individual themes and tracing them throughout the storyline of the whole again, Bible. We also Bible do this project, by making videos that... Earth, okay? It's packed full of meaning. And so where's the church bit in there? It comes to the fact that we're going to talk now about the role of the church. So that's our third little Slido question. What is the church supposed to do, or what's the role of the church? You've got it? The role of the church. I want to learn from you what the role of the church is. Oops. To tell the world about Jesus to be fishers of men, to spread the heaven in earth, to guide, preach, love. I can't keep up, but you've got the idea. Keep going. You've got the idea? I don't know why you need speakers on Sunday night. You've got it. Thanks a lot. Thank you for that. You got the role of the church. I was actually sitting in one of the rooms preparing, on, uh, preparing for Sunday night. And where I was sitting was freezing cold. So I went into the place we call the staff room. And it was warm as anything. So I put my... Uh, computed there, and everyone who walked in, I said, what's the role of the church? And I got from this age, my age, old people, that gave me politically correct answers. I'm not going to tell you what you are. Some of them are up there, politically correct. And then I got some really good ones. But one person said to me, and it was up there, that said, mirroring God, so that when I look in the mirror, when the church is in action, people need to see, yeah, they'll see me, but do they see God when they look at the church? I promise you that it'll probably blind you or something. <laughs> Mirroring Christ, gathering for worship, encouragement. But I want to pick up another phrase that my friend Peter <laughs> wrote about in his little book when he called us to be priests. But first of all, you got the idea from the video that there were temples and tabernacles and Jesus fulfilled that promise. Uh, but Jesus also became known as the great high priest. He was the one, a, a great high priest was the one that could take the blood of the lamb that they killed, and take it right into the Holy of Holies. And he was only allowed to go in once a year. Once a year, Day of Atonement. He could only go in once. But he was high priest for life. And then he died, and then you got another high priest. And it wasn't a voting competition or an election. It was by birth. And so it went through the family line. Hebrews 11 22 to 25 says this, after it's been talking about priests and Jesus as a great high priest. 
the former high priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he, Jesus, holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever and ever and ever and ever. Consequently, Jesus is able for all time to save those who approach God through him, since Jesus always lives to make intercession for them. So Jesus is considered the high priest, the great high priest, eternally there. And if you want to know what Jesus is doing right now, one of the things he's doing is praying for you. How does that sound? He's interceding for this world, and you're on his heart, and he's talking to the Father about you. Hey, that's great, eh? Very good. But the thing is, when I look at 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, I discover this powerful verse, which is loaded with Old Testament imagery. So we can have, I think it fills the whole screen, so we'll see how we go with this. 1 Peter 2, 10. But you are a chosen race, says Peter. That takes me back to the promises made to Abraham. The church was always God's plan, okay? Always the promise, chosen. Now, once upon a time, before Jesus came, the only chosen people were those who were born Jews or converted to Judaism, like Rahab and Boaz's wife, Ruth, and some others. But it says, we are chosen by God. Great, eh? Love to be chosen. A royal priesthood, that's what he calls us. And that takes us to the tabernacle, temple, priest story, the sacrifice stories. And so we don't need that today because we are the fulfillment of that promise. We're a holy nation. God said to Abraham, I will make you a great nation. God said to King David, there will always be someone from your family on the throne. And we now are called that holy nation. Hey, we're a holy nation. And this holy nation is weird and wonderful because people who are in it are from different age groups, different ethnic backgrounds, different social backgrounds, different gender, male, female, there's no status, there's no more important than anyone else. We are there because we are in Christ, a holy nation. I find that exciting. And we are God's own people. And that takes me to the Sinai story, which is about the covenant, which says, I'll be your God. I'll be your God because I rescued you. And you can be my people. And we are called the people of God. That's another name for the church. Listen to the reason. In order that you might proclaim his mighty acts, the mighty acts of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. I've got a friend here who's just flown in from Queensland. We'll get together this week, and do you know what we'll talk about? All the good things that Jesus has done in our lives in the, since we've seen each other. Okay, we'll catch up a little bit on other stuff, but that's what the conversation will be. And you know, if you can turn some of your conversations about what Jesus is saying to you, what it was like at church, what you were singing, what, it, what does this mean? Ask questions, talk about it. Talk about Jesus. Okay? That's how the early church spread. You see, 
Once we didn't receive mercy, but now we are the people of God, and we are called priests. Live as a priest. A priest preserves truth. A priest instructs others. A priest, a priest is there for peace and righteousness. A priest is not there for others, but for Christ. I want you to imagine that this is the world. I'm just using imagery now. The earth and God and we are priests. We stand as the people of God, as the church of God, between the lost and heaven, earth and heaven. And it is our role to declare the purposes of God. We're God's representatives. We are to share, we're to talk, we're to do all that stuff so that people will see Jesus, hear Jesus, love Jesus, because they look at us and they see Jesus in us. So, yep, Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, either that's a lie in Australia because the church is not growing, or we have to look at it differently. Did you know the church people who follow Jesus in Australia are going down, down, down. Once upon a time, a fast-growing church was Korea, but Korea Christians' numbers are going down, down. Is the church of God growing today? After the death of Jesus and after the resurrection, ascension, in 10 years, there are possibly 40 known congregations throughout the then known world. 40, okay? 300 years later, one-tenth of the Roman Empire were Jesus followers. That's not bad, is it? 300 years, one-tenth. But things got a bit dicey because politics got in the way and the politics started to protect the church, fight for the church. But when the church lives under the power of the Holy Spirit. It grows organically. Do you know today, one third of the total population of the world calls themselves Christian? I don't know if one third are followers of Jesus, but one tenth, one third? It may not be growing in Australia because we're too comfortable, we're too complacent, things are too easy, the government controls our life by giving us laws of what we can do, and we look to others to tell us, instead of living from the Spirit of God within, knowing the Scriptures, talking about Jesus. That's my alarm that says it's time to pray for Ukraine. It goes every day at 6 o'clock, I'm supposed to be finished. <laughs> Let me just say, we are the church. When people look at you, do they see Jesus? Do they see kindness and love? Do they hear gentleness? Are they welcomed? Do you talk about Jesus or do you talk about people? Do you talk about the good things of God or do you talk about the nasty things that people do? Jesus is the one that we are to mirror. Jesus is the one we are to follow. This, my friends, is the future of Launceston and of Tasmania and of Australia. It's you. Someone like me, I'm just about that, that had it, right, Ho? So you people, 
live like Jesus. Be the future. Be the church. Be mirroring Jesus. You got it? Let me pray. Lord, it's been a long story that you've had from Adam and Eve to this day to when you come again. May we be faithful priests. May we be faithful as a holy nation, as a called people, who people, people who stand between the world and heaven. May we be yours, living out the kindness, the love, the gentleness, the patience, the welcoming, the invitation. Help us to be aware that we are the church. Buildings will come and go, but we, your people, will stay. Thank you, Lord. Amen.